Vendor advocates are becoming a vital part of the real estate selling process as they are more savvy in knowing exactly what the market has to offer and what will make you the most money. They are there to hold your hand when you need your hand held, but also there for you when you can't be there at the property. Today, we are going to find out how to choose the best vendor advocate to help you sell your property. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Real Estate Right is here to get you real estate savvy in Melbourne's booming real estate market. Whether you're new to the industry or haven't been involved in renting, buying, selling, or investing for five or more years, We are here to bring you the latest tactics, laws and understanding of how the market works and how you can benefit from it. Download the episodes you need now to get the right information. Recently moved to White Fox Advocacy, Nicole Jacobs is still as lovely as ever, ready to help buyers and sellers make the most of their property journey. Nicole is one of the buyer's advocates on the block and offers an exceptional service removing the emotion out of the sale and focusing on the value of the property and how it works for her clients. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Sue, thanks for having me back. I am very well. Thank you. That's good. Now, since we haven't chatted for a little while, um, you've now changed over to White Fox Advocacy. Now, how's all that going? Oh, it's brilliant. Um, It's really exciting. Uh, Obviously, Nicole Jacobs' property is just the same thing, but under a different banner name. So I'm now the co-founder and managing director of White Fox Advocacy, which enables me to have a bigger team and a huge support network and amazing branding. So it's all good. (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. Now, today's topic is about choosing your vendor advocate. So I believe it's becoming a growing force in Melbourne real estate, the old vendor advocacy. Do you find that? Yeah, it is, Sue, because a lot of people um, don't want to have to deal with or think about the stress of choosing an agent when they go to sell. And um, for those who just don't, I mean, it's, it's quite hard. I mean, you might get a couple of agents, maybe three agents in, and you have to make that big decision and you have to try and, you know, look at whether you're looking at apples versus apples or are they oranges and apples and so it's very stressful time for people when they're choosing their sales agents so a vendor's um, advocate is somebody that people should really have a look at if they you know if they that stressful process is just too much yeah definitely so we're taking it to that next step how do we choose the right vendor advocate for you so it's obviously similar sort of style as getting your agent but you're finding that person who's actually going to be on your side 100% of the way so obviously every selling agent should be on your side when you're selling (laughs) I think the big advantage of a vendor's advocate is that you have someone that you trust so if we look at maybe the what you should be looking for in that vendor advocate is that first of all that they can be they can remain independent um, it's really yeah. important that even if you're using our services, for instance, and we're part of a full service agency now, um, that we will remain very independent. So if we believe there's an agent out there that's better than what we would provide for that client, 
that is exactly who we'll go with. It's not always about using the person that is part of our team. So very importantly, no matter where that vendor advocate comes from, they should be independent. So that's number one. Um, independent, um, not just because you want them to recommend the best agent, but independent in that there, you might have as a buyer's advocate, you always have really good relationships with the selling agents out there, but you really need to recognize who's got the strengths and the capabilities, not just for that property, but for the person. So you're matching the personalities as well, because that's really important. Because the second thing, of course, is that you must trust whoever you've appointed. Mm -hmm. So to get that trust, there has to be some sort of chemistry, but there has to be a trust that they have your best interests at heart again. Yes. Not about the selling agent. It's not about the vendor's agent. It's about the client that's actually engaged you to find that best agent for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Third, knowledge, of course, really important that the person that's going to be uh, looking after you and making sure you get the best selling agent is very knowledgeable about the area too. Because if they don't know who the agents are and what they offer and how they work, then, uh, you know, you might as well do it yourself. Yeah. Just like I'm going to stop you there for a second. I agree with that completely because there's one particular agent that I don't work for. Um, and I have a couple of times in the past, but I'm constantly hearing that they get a price, not the best price for a property because they know that they're selling it to a developer, for instance, who will then give them the work afterwards. Yes. So this that is sort of thing uncommon. is not good. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <laughs> uncommon. So, so what I'm saying is that, yeah, you definitely have to have that person who's got your best interests at heart. Absolutely. And the other one that I hear a lot of is when you've got elderly vendors. Mm. They've maybe gone into a home. um, The agent knows that it's a a sale easily um, and they just don't try hard. They just think, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I've got, you know, they might ring a few friends, might ring a few um, advocates, for instance, and just say, here you go. But you need yeah. to know that no matter what, that is that person's investment. That is mm. their, their, that's their money for retirement. So you need to have mm. someone that is going to work their butt off to make sure that they get the best price possible for that person, regardless yeah. of whether they've gone into a home, regardless of whether they're now trying to buy into a retirement village, maybe they're moving mm. up you know, north, they need as much money as possible. You need someone in their corner that's not just going to try for a quick sale. Yeah. That's funny. I was actually talking to an old neighbour this morning and I asked him, like, what did you end up getting for your home? And he said, I think it was 1.165. He goes, but they wanted me to take an offer $140,000 less. Yes. You know, about a month beforehand. And he's like, no, I know what my house is worth. It's not happening. Oh, but that's a great offer. No. <laughs> no, no, not a good offer. Yeah. And that really leads straight into that negotiation. So if if you're going to engage mm. a vendor's advocate, they need to negotiate on several levels. So they need to negotiate on the fee that the mm. engaged selling agent will be paid. They need to negotiate exactly what sort of work they're going to do, have a look at their marketing costs and what they're going to do and be able to negotiate on that too because a lot of people will just push, push, push a lot of the products that they have, but they're actually not right for that particular home or that particular vendor. 
and they don't listen. So your vendor's advocate yes. needs to listen, but also needs to be able to negotiate really well. Then through that process of the sale, they need to be there to be the eyes and ears of the vendor. Again, they're there to make sure that the selling agent is doing everything possible to uncover the best price possible. And if they're not doing yeah. that, then you need to sack them and your selling agent. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So now should your vendor advocate be actively involved in selling your property or just advising you as the client? So it's a really good question because when we act for a vendor, we do both. We feel very, very strongly that whoever we're appointing should be able to run that campaign by themselves. But yes, that's not what our vendor has engaged us for. They've engaged us to find that person but also make sure that we are across the board on everything that's happening after every open. We can go to opens for them as well if they need. Um, But then when it leads up to auction, be there for the pre-auction meeting, Uh, be at the auction, be with the vendor, hear what the selling agent's saying to them if they're pushing them to put it on the market. Our knowledge of whether that property is in the right selling range is really crucial to our vendor to make sure that they're not being pushed as we've just discussed, into selling their home before they need to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also you're also there representing them if, for instance, they're overseas. Absolutely. Yes, you're there for, yeah, if they're not there, if they're interstate, overseas. Um, but also, you know, that crucial time when it goes to sell, whether it's private sale negotiation or auction, that you know exactly what the agent is telling them. Yeah. And you're, you're a good sounding board, aren't you? Like if they say your house is worth 1.2 and, and you know, you can get 1.25 for it, you can tell them that, you know, you should get that extra 50 grand because that's what your house is worth. So there's that, but there's also the reality check. So there's also a really yeah. important aspect of the vendor's advocate is to make sure that the owners really are very much understanding what the market's doing at the time so that they're not dismissing offers that may be very good. Mm. And often we see very good offers come in right at the start Mm. and we need to then assess those and go, okay, yes, we could run another, you know, run the auction campaign for four weeks, but there's that saying, it's not how long you've been on the market, it's how long the buyer's been in the market. When they identify a property they want, even if it's supposed to be an auction campaign, they may give you the best offer that you're ever going to get, even at auction time, right at the start. So as a vendor's advocate, it's your I guess, knowledge of the market and what's at stake that can guide them as to whether this is an offer they should really consider or whether it's something that's really just testing the market. Because the reality is in the market that we're in at the moment, buyers are struggling to get property. So they will put that like massive offer in at the very start just to secure something. Absolutely. And I think that you need to, if a big offer comes in and you're using a vendor's advocate, is that the vendor's advocate can then speak to the selling agent and say, okay, how are you going to run this now? Mm -hmm. So you've got a really good offer, strong offer in. What are your rules of engagement now? Because if you're going to now stop the auction campaign, are you then going to go out to everybody else? and find out, you know, if they want to come to the party and maybe have a private auction yeah. before the auction. Mm. Um, you can extract absolutely everything without um, leaving anyone yeah. disappointed at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of, of having you on your side 
is that you can demand these things because most vendors wouldn't have a clue. Correct. And that's why you want a professional with you. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to have a short break and come back with more from Nicole Jacobs from White Fox Advocacy, where we will talk about the money side of vendor advocates. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the lovely Nicole Jacobs about choosing a vendor advocate. But before we do, I believe you visited the latest block site recently with Frank Valantic and Gravel Pabst. Um, and now I wouldn't mind knowing how are those new homes coming along? Well, they're coming along very fast as they do. Yeah. It's about a 12-week campaign that they build and uh, transform these homes yeah. so they're coming along really well um, we will actually be going through for a full inspection again uh, this week actually okay. um, but I've been there from the start to see them progressing and um, well I think there'll be some interesting results at the end yeah. of the auction period uh, so yeah by and large they're all building uh, and creating family homes because of course Hampton is a family home suburb mm-hmm. um, by and large. Um, there are a few retirees, yes. but uh, a lot of families. So I think that uh, being in a cul-de-sac too will be amazing for a family to purchase in there. Yeah, definitely. Yes, it's it's always good having that nice community vibe in the in the cul-de-sacs, isn't it? With you know, Absolutely. kids come out and play in the street, and you know, don't get bowled over by a passing car. Yes, definitely. <laughs> So back to it, does it cost more to use a vendor advocate? Absolutely no. There is no cost to the vendor using a vendor's advocate. Yeah. So I would ask why people don't use them more because the fee that the vendor advocate gets is from the selling agent Mm -hmm. uh, and the selling agent gets that listing based on the, the vendor advocate. So um, they're very happy to work with vendor advocates. Obviously, they'd like the full slice of the pie, but um, it, I always have the saying that a piece of the cake is better than no cake at all. So um, but the vendor advocate has to earn that. So it can be on a sliding scale as well. Some agents will take a smaller, I'll give the vendor advocate a smaller percentage. If you're a good vendor advocate and you're going to be involved in a lot of the process, you can probably demand a lot more. Mm-hmm. But the actual seller pays absolutely nothing. But you, that's where it comes back to that independent factor. So yeah. that the vendor advocate is not just choosing the mate that go, is going to give them the biggest slice of the pie. Mm. They're actually the right agent for that property and that person selling. Yeah, definitely. And um, Now, how can we see a vendor advocate in action? Well, I've thought about this for a while and you really, it's very difficult to see a vendor's advocate in action. You'll see their name on the board usually. Yeah. Um, And I think it's being able to speak to a few people and just ask, a lot of buyer's advocates do vendor advocacy. So I would always ask for references because that's a really good way of seeing whether not just from the person that used them as the seller, but also the selling agent. Mm -hmm. How did they work with them? Did they work well? Yeah. The selling agent might then say, don't worry about using them. Come on over to us anyway. <laughs> and, um, it's, you know, by and large, vendor advocates are behind the scenes. They're there to make sure that they represent the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't tend to see them very often. You may see some companies that just do vendor advocacy standing at the door as well. Yeah. So you may see them, um, but they're there to represent the seller. So as a buyer, 
they're not there to represent you. They're okay. there for the seller. Yeah, yeah. Just keep that in mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, have you got any special offers for real estate right listeners? Oh, as usual, I am very happy to give away a couple of books of sold, how to buy or sell your home with real confidence. Yeah. Um, this is a really good guide. So for people to pick up, they can open it up at any chapter yeah. and um, and have a look at where we think they should be brushing up on their skills to purchase or even choosing their, their vendor advocate. Yeah, definitely. And it's all relevant still still very absolutely yeah look of course there's no COVID chapter in there that would have been good to add yeah that would have been good (laughs) but but by and large the essentials of buying uh, and selling real estate are in there Um, and of course you know I'm always available um, on social media you can contact me I often get a lot of people calling you know via social media asking me questions so happy to do that beautiful thank you so much for coming on again today Thanks, Sue. Lovely to hear your voice again. (laughs) Yes, same here. Now, next week we have our fifth town taster where we go to the delightfully leafy suburb of Heathmont and talk to Louise Carrig from Barry Plant in Ringwood, Heathmont about what's it like to live in this gorgeous suburb. Plus, we have Kiani Mills from KLM Conveyancing coming on to talk to us about what we can use as a deposit when buying a property. It's amazing what people have used as a deposit and what is just not acceptable. So don't miss it. State Right is a real copyright production hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.